TCU? Do you breathe purple and gold? Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 94.3thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo. All right, welcome into this Friday edition of Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. Very excited about this show. We're going to be talking a lot of East Carolina basketball scheduled to be joined by Ezra Asar and R.J. Felton, two-star players with the basketball program via Team Boneyard. We'll talk about that. We're going to talk about the offseason to this point. Also, Philip Pilkington is in studio with me on Hoist the Colors, today's edition. And we got a lot of hoops talk coming your way. So, uh, been a big offseason for Michael Schwartz and his, his coaching staff. It definitely has been. And, you know, this is kind of the new norm, isn't it? it every offseason kind of becomes a big offseason in yeah. the day of the transfer portal. But uh, I really like what I've been seeing. It seems like a very exciting future here in Greenville. Yeah, a lot of turnover, which we're, we're going to run down some of those big moves. And then we're scheduled to talk with Ezra. Around 12.15, we'll talk to RJ. Around 12.30, 12.35, we'll get them on over the phone and kind of interview them, talk about how their offseason is going. We'll ask them their opinions of some of the offseason additions as well, kind of what they're working on to improve their game. If you got a question that you want us to ask RJ or Ezra, drop it in the comments section. We are live on YouTube. We're live on Facebook. Also live on 943thegame.com. Of course, the IBX Media app tweeted us let us know what you want to know from rj and ezra we'll get those questions to you we're also scheduled to be joined the week of may 15th we'll have michael schwartz in studio he's still wrapping up some things they just got a walk-on commitment today so he's still kind of finalizing the roster of course we're going to talk about that here shortly where that, that thing stands right now but we'll have coach schwartz on later this month but today we're talking to the players and uh of course also graduation day at ecu so congrats to all the graduates a big weekend for several uh students in in the area so awesome uh weekend for them and their families so gonna be a lot of traffic around town so be careful going out to eat or whatnot we did have somebody ask i want to address this uh at the top because this person may be heading to lunch now steven wright we asked for your comments on on twitter about basketball um destry wanted to know he's curious about what rj and and ezra working on the offseason we'll ask them about that uh but steven wright he said less a comment and more another food theme question where should i go for lunch in Greenville today. Uh, well, it is 12.02, Stephen, so if you haven't already had lunch, we got plenty of options. Obviously, our friends here at IBX Media, uh, we got several sponsors that we could send you to, but you know, a lot of barbecue in the area gets a lot of love, but I myself am a big Moore's Barbecue guy. Uh, to me, the most underrated barbecue in the area, Moore's Barbecue. So head that way, maybe Bagel Man, Tiebreakers, whatever. So uh, if you're on the way to lunch... Check out those IBX media sponsors uh, and also listen to the program. So uh, thanks for the comments, Stephen. And we'll have uh, Destry's comments as well read and listened to when we interview these players upcoming here shortly. But let's talk about this offseason thus far, Philip. A lot of turnover. There have been six guys moving on from the program. I should preface this. This This is just scholarship players. There have been some walk-ons coming and going as well, but you've got 13 scholarship guys in men's and women's basketball. Uh, Obviously, the men's basketball team is what we're talking about today. So 13 scholarship players. They had six of those who have moved on via the transfer portal or graduation. And before we kind of start breaking it down individually, like you said, 
Philip, we're kind of at the point now where you're building a team almost every single year through the portal, through recruiting, through high school recruiting. You, you have to kind of not start over, but you really have to reconstruct your team to an extent every single year. You don't have to reconstruct, but you've got to almost re-recruit the guys that are on your team, which which is tough. But you know, you bring up the reconstruction, and when a coach in the past has recruited guys, yeah, you want to get out and get the best talent. But you look at okay, when will you know my starting center graduate? Okay, I need a guy who's coming up into the upperclassmen ranks. He's going to be a big man around that time, you know, and so on with each position. Well, that's not a thing anymore because you don't know when a guy is going to leave. And I think that might actually be the hardest thing for coaches because, like I said, you have to reconstruct that lineup on a year by year basis. Yeah, you're really recruiting your roster year round, and you know the transfer portal deadline does not close until May 11th. It's been open a, a long time. I can't remember if it's 60 or 90 day window, but it's a, a long window that these coaches have to sweat out. But I, I will say this before we get into some of the return or some of the newcomers, I want to talk about the returners, Philip. Really strong nucleus of players set to return for Mike Schwartz's team and uh, strong year one, 16 and 17 on the court, 16 wins, the most for ECU since I believe 2013, 14. And they had some big wins, of course, winning the, the conference tournament game over USF. They competed strong with Houston as well. But you look at the returning nucleus. Yes, they lost Javon Small to the portal, but they didn't play with Javon Small over the last, what, 11, 12 games. So they kind of learned how to play without him anyways. He's on his way to Oklahoma State. But we got eight scholarship guys right now slated to return. Jaden Walker, R.J. Felton, Caleb LeCount, Quentin Dabuje, Ben Baela, Brandon Johnson, Ezra Asar, and Valentino Pinedo. So we talk about having to re-recruit guys or recruit almost a new team. This team going into 2023-24, as it stands now, you're also going to have a lot of familiarity too. You definitely are. And what I like about a lot of these guys is were they not only on the team last year, but they played a lot of minutes. And I think I saw a lot of maturity growth in a lot of these guys and we're going to use Ezra Asar for example you know he had a little bit of a slump there late January early early February and coach Schwartz kept saying well this is about the time in high school when the season has come to an end and we saw how much he grew from that how much he grew into a college basketball player and you could say that about a few other guys on this list as well and those are the guys that are returning and that is big because that is something that you can't see in a transfer even if he did play at another school, we don't see those ups and downs day in and day out with those guys. We see it with a lot of these guys. So I'm really excited to have these guys back. And I'm looking over this list, and it, at least off the top of my head, I don't think any of these guys will be seniors eligibility-wise next year. So they'll all still have another year of eligibility remaining, at least in terms of the players who are returning. So if you're Coach Schwartz and the staff, you really have the chance to keep this nucleus together for multiple years, which is big. And obviously – you never know how, how exactly it's going to shake out, but the fact that they've been able to keep this nucleus together this offseason, I think, speaks volumes. But at the same time, you do want to add some pieces along with, uh, you know, obviously losing some as well. We talked about Javon Small heading out. ECU also saw Luigi DeBoe and David Kasong and I graduate from the program and move on. In season, we saw freshman Elijah Jones transfer to UTEP. We saw Winston Taps, the Boston College transfer. He just never seemed to get back to 100%. He's transferred to Morgan State. And Saxby Sunderland, a freshman guard, transferred out as well. So those are your departures. Now, I'm really excited about this list. The incoming guys as of now. ECU went to the portal. They added two transfer guards. Bobby Pettiford, a former four-star recruit by way of Kansas. He'll have two years of eligibility remaining. Cam Hayes. 
also set to have two years left. He comes over from LSU. He spent a couple years in NC State. We'll start there. Those two guards, they've played at high-level institutions. You know, Cam Hayes played more than Pettiford, but Pettiford, I think, has ability. He's kind of been stuck behind some guys. But you talk about losing Javon Small, I really think you can argue you even upgraded at point guard with those two additions. I think you definitely did. And I love the job Jaden Walker did in Javon Small's absence last year, taking over that point guard role. But I still, if you asked me to describe Jaden Walker's style of play, I wouldn't probably say point guard. And I would definitely say it about these two guys. And that's the quarterback in, in basketball, right, is the point guard. So I think that's really big. And like you mentioned, playing at big-time programs, it is a lot different when you come in from a bigger program than a smaller program. We saw that with the women's team this year with Micah Dennis coming from Oklahoma State, and I think that can be a very similar situation here with these two guys. And Pettiford was highly recruited out of high school, as was Hayes, but I always felt Pettiford fit at ECU. He was recruited hard by Joe Dooley, so it's good to see him come back to ECU, ironically leaving Joe Dooley's Kansas team now, uh, Dooley an assistant up there, to come back to East Carolina. I think he's kind of excited. He called, he called it a rebirth when he committed, almost like a chance to kind of restart his career, again, a former four-star recruit. Cam Hayes was almost a five-star recruit out of high school, so you're getting a lot of talent, uh, a lot of ability to score the basketball, also defend. Again, these guys are a little bit smaller guards in terms of height, but you know can really run, can really defend, handle the basketball. And then it's not just the portal for Mike Schwartz. They're also recruiting the prep ranks. They get three commitments to Corey Faison, a guy I'm really excited about out of Goldsboro High School. And then two bigs, Sear Malonga and Callum Richard, two very different players. Philip Malonga, maybe more of the athletic big who can run the floor. And then Richard, athletic as well, but maybe more of your post-up score over the shoulder, hook shot type of guy. So you have some different skill sets coming. These guys can kind of replace Luigi DeBow and, and some of the size you lost. No, I definitely agree. And it's it's big when you have, you know, diversity. Right. You don't want to recruit too many guys that are of the same style at the same position because you become very easy to scheme for. And that's something we don't see with those guys. And, you know, and you brought up their um, – Sorry, I'm bad with these names yeah. because there's a lot. There's yeah, a lot the, of tough pronunciations. Yeah, there, uh, is it Malonga? Malonga, yeah. Malonga. I love when I saw his highlight tape. I'm not going to act like I've seen him play a bunch, but his ability to really sniff the ball out as it comes off the rim. That's how we saw a lot of his points. You know, you mentioned he's that three guy, or sorry, that defensive guy, that hustle guy. But his offense production comes with second chance points. Great rim runner. I'm excited to see him this year. And I've heard a lot of positive things about Corey Faison. Just not super highly recruited. I think we, we've seen so often now with so many teams focused on the transfer portal, you can get some steals in the high school ranks. Now, there does come a, a risk with that because high school guys, they can come into your program, they can A, not play, or they can A, or B, develop, and they can transfer without penalty. So that's why some teams have shot away from high school recruiting, but ECU under Coach Schwartz have not. You know, I like the approach. You're talking about an Eastern North Carolina kid from Goldsboro High School. Super athletic, you know, 6'5", 6'6", range, 220, really built. I think he could be a guy who can play right away. He's kind of at that wing spot. You know, I look at this roster, Phillip. I like I like the guard position now with Pettiford and obviously Hayes coming in. You mentioned Jaden Walker. He can play the point. We know R.J. Felton can play the two. Really, he can play anywhere. Uh, I like the forwards with Brandon Johnson and Ezra Saar. I'm still waiting for one of those wings to emerge. Like, you know, Quentin DeBunjay and Ben Baila scheduled to return, but I think Corey Faison could be a guy who, who could step into that role as well. So I kind of look at those three guys as 
maybe one of those emerges as an impact scorer from the wing position. Yeah, for sure. But you remember in Mike Schwartz's offense, in order to be a scorer and be on the court, you got to play defense. Yeah. Looking at Faison's um, highlight tape, saw a lot of defensive plays on there. Definitely a Mike Schwartz type guy. Yeah, he's, I mean, physically, he's as advanced as, as many, basically, as any high school prospect you'll see. He's almost built like a defensive end or a tight end. So, really excited to see Takori. And, you know, a freshman, you never truly know until they get into your program. But uh, I've heard a lot of good things. So, Overall, excited about where this roster stands, especially with what's returning uh, in terms of R.J. Felton, Ezra Saar. We haven't talked a ton about Brandon Johnson. Um, He's a guy I think we'll try and get on the show at some point, too, because he went from a guy who played a lot as a freshman to last year being a key guy, developed that three-point shot. Mike Schwartz's – his M.O. is really development. We saw that last year with Brandon Johnson developing the three-point shot along with his rebounding skills, continuing to hone that. And then we saw Ezra Asar develop his rebounding throughout the, the year as well. So really excited about where this program is heading. Let's take our first break. On the other side, we'll talk to one of the guys who is set to return, Ezra Asar, the Atlanta Georgia native heading into his sophomore year. We'll catch up with him, ask him how his offseason is going and what he's looking forward to heading into his second year in the program. You're listening to hoist the colors on 94.3 to game on this basketball edition. We're live with Stephen Igo on 94.3 the game. Hoist the Johnny Roger! Now, back to hoist the colors. All right, welcome back into the program. It is a basketball edition of the show. We are highlighting Mike Schwartz's team coming off a 16-win season. A big part of that season was Ezra Asar, who had a standout freshman season, unanimous selection to the all-AAC freshman team, and he joins us now on the phone. Ezra, how's your offseason going? Good, good, man. How you doing? I'm doing good, Ezra. Doing good, man. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun to watch you this past season on the hardwood in Greenville. How much fun was it for you? I know you had some adversity uh, throughout your time. You know, obviously early in the year as a freshman, like most freshmen do, but then by the end of the year, you were playing some of your best ball. So, how, how much fun was it succeeding as a freshman? Uh, it was, you know, definitely. Uh, it was eye opening for me to just to see the the growth I had throughout the season. I was overly proud of myself, um, and then I I just thank the people that was around me that just kept me, you know, motivated. Just kept pushing me. Um, of course, my family, my son, like just you know, it's always just have the mindset of standing on the grind and you know having a strong mental. Ezra, I want to go back to you know, let's let's start with your high school career. Actually, when did you really fall in love with the game of basketball, and when did you kind of know that's what you wanted to do heading into college and, and really kind of making a, a potential career out of it? Uh, I really didn't start playing basketball until, like, my 10th, 11th grade year. Uh, I think it was a game at an AU game against, uh, I I think it was J.D. Davidson. And after that game, that's when, you know, it kind of hit me. Uh, You know, this is is something I can do for a living. And, of course, you know, provide for those that surround me in my circle. Um, And then, you know, after that game, I spoke to a lot of, you know, different coaches. A lot of opportunities came to the table. So that's that's pretty much the time period, you know, when it all came about. Uh, senior year or junior and sophomore year of high school, I played at uh, Shiloh High School. 
And then my uh, senior year of high school, I ended up finishing at IMG Academy. And then a post-grad year at Liberty Heights. And then now I'm here at ECU. <laughs> so you really kind of got a late start in, in basketball. I mean, most guys obviously are playing in, you know, middle school, that sort of stuff, kind of have a dream. But were you playing, like, other sports up until that point? Or, or were you uh, just not nah, a huge sports guy? No, nah, I wasn't I wasn't really playing other sports then, you know, just – I was probably always just shooting the ball outside or something or going to the gym with my friends or whatnot, but never really was, you know, taking sports any kind of serious. Gotcha. We're visiting with Ezra Asar from Atlanta, Georgia. Had a huge freshman season at ECU. We'll talk about some of the success you experienced at East Carolina once you arrived. Let's go through your recruiting process, Ezra. You kind of mentioned it. You got a lot of buzz uh, late in your, your prep career, obviously going to, to Liberty Heights. I know you got a ton of buzz there. Mike Schwartz gets the job in Greenville. One of his first calls was to Ezra Asar. And what do you kind of remember about him first reaching out at ECU and how quickly that process went for you to become a pirate? Because uh, Schwartz, we got on the visit uh, ASAP. It was immediate uh, visit. Um, you know, we explored the campus. Uh Definitely, I think it was. I think I went back to the hotel room and called my coaches, the other coaches that was recruiting me, and I ended up telling them like, you know, I think I just found me a fit to go, uh, something that was pretty much close to home. I wasn't too busy caught up in the hype of schools. You know, I really wanted to go somewhere where I was going to play and you know make a name for myself. And, you know, that's obviously what came about. So uh, I committed. I think on the first day of my visit at the restaurant. <laughs> And, you know, ever since then, that's that's pretty much where our relationship has started. Um, Coach Schwartz, I think we might have spoke before when he was at Tennessee. And uh, Tennessee was recruiting a little bit. And I uh, ended up going to a game. But Schwartz, you know, definitely heard some talks about me. And I think that's what led me, you know, going to ECU because he had reached out to me. We're visiting with Ezra Asar. And Ezra, you come into the program, you know, with, with pretty high expectations as a pretty noteworthy recruit. Uh, and I know you really had to work hard to kind of earn your spot. Nothing was handed to you, as with any program in America. Uh, you, you played 21 minutes in the second game of the year against Presbyterian, but then kind of had to work your way in the starting lineup. And uh, once you once you hit that role, I remember the South Carolina State game, you just scored in bunches. Was there a point where you, you kind of realized, hey, I can definitely play at this level, I can do this, and you kind of felt that confidence come back? Because obviously as a freshman, you kind of have to earn your, your stripes, so to speak, but was there a point you really remember that 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 happening? Uh, yeah, without a question, you know, just you know, always practicing good habits. That's what it starts with. So, in practice, you know, I'm just always uh, going hard. You know, competing with my teammates. You know, I just don't take nothing for granted. And, you know, I, I I was just kept praying that my opportunity would come, and eventually that game was just one of the games where you know I I, I outshine. You know, and then. You know, the opportunity presented itself, and I just took advantage of it. And, you know, once again, I don't, I don't take my blessings for granted, so that was definitely a blessing to me. And just hope that, you know, I finish my this season coming up, you know, just hope for a better and stronger season. What's the biggest challenge going from, you know, prep ball to college ball? For, for anybody that's making that transition, like what would, what would be your advice? What's the biggest challenge? Uh, I would say for me – uh, you know, everybody's challenges are different. For me, I would say it was more of like uh, getting back to doing the schoolwork. <laughs> uh, my prep school year, I did a few classes, but 
you know, you and, and prep, I've already graduated. So I think, you know, getting back to doing the school right was the biggest challenge. Uh, on the court-wise, I think, you know, I was, you know, pretty much prepared just being at IMG. Uh, that, that prepared me for a lot of things. And, and college was definitely one of them because it's, it's pretty much the same lifestyle. So I was I was pretty much already prepared. You know, I shout out uh, Coach JT and Trey at IMG to definitely keep my head on. Them two definitely, you know, kept my head on. And then, of course, shout out to Coach uh, Mike at Liberty Heights definitely kept my head on. So just having them, them uh, mentors and coaches as a part of my life is, is definitely a big part of it. Ezra Sar averaged 9.8 points, 5.3 rebounds during his freshman season with the Pirates. And I remember talking to Coach Schwartz, Ezra, kind of midway through the year, and, and he was really challenging you about rebounding. And, man, you answered that challenge big time in the second half of the year. Uh Take us back through through that. I mean, you obviously were a good rebounder in high school. I'm sure it's a, a different level in college, but you you rebounded at an extremely high level the second half of the season. So, what clicked for you there? Uh, just being more aggressive and uh, and putting my mind to it. Uh, in the beginning, you know, I didn't, you know, in the beginning, me coming in thinking the rebounds was just falling my hand. Uh, it was just a different type of aggression that I had to go get them, and you know, that's what. I just had to change the mindset. And then in the gym, I'm just working on rebounding. Some days I might just go in there and just rebound and, and just do straight, you know, putbacks. Like, just different times, just preparing myself to be prepared when it comes to being on the court in a real game situation. 18 points and 19 rebounds against Houston in the, the conference tournament, Ezra. That, clearly, they're a rebounding team, Houston is. That's what they're known for. So how much confidence can you take from that when you're – uh, when you're almost getting 20 rebounds in a game against an elite rebounding team, uh, definitely wanted to you know get the 20 and 20 instead of a record for myself and for the you know tournament. Uh, a team like that, you know, I don't I don't underestimate them, but I always been ready. You know, I I don't play the same competition or better people and in Houston with no disrespect, but you know I'm just always prepared. Uh, I just never back down in a. I don't, you know, I don't fear anybody, you know. So I'm just always prepared for them type of situations. I also think um, I, I prepare myself for that that game. You know, I prepare myself for the tournament, just knowing that I was just trying to do whatever to help my team, you know, win. You know, we always had a goal, so you know, it didn't work in our favor, but you know, I I played my part. My team did what best we could do, but you know, next year we'll be definitely back stronger. <laughs> Yeah, I remember it was towards the end of the year, Ezra, you were in a post-game press conference. You were talking about how excited you were to you know, to be a year older already and, and to kind of talk about next year. And clearly you guys ended the season kind of with some momentum. And that's continued. Coach Schwartz has made some big-time additions, getting Bobby Pettiford, Cam Hayes out of the portal, also adding some prep guys. Uh, it's Corey Faison, Sierra Malonga, Callum Richard, just – What's your take on, on what Coach Schwartz has been able to do? A lot of guys returning as well, including yourself, but just how excited are you for next season given what you've seen this offseason? Um, I'm super excited. Uh, I really got to see, you know, my, the players' full potential because I don't think, you know, they touched campus yet. But, you know, I'm definitely excited. We added some pieces. I know a, a lot of pieces left, so we're just not doing – we're just doing nothing but replacing them and hoping it. The new pieces we got, you know, everybody would just be mentally and physically sharp. And just, you know, we're all on the same page for next season goes. How has your offseason gone thus far? Like, what are the big 
big things you're really looking to improve on as an individual player uh, thus far? I know y'all have had some workouts as a team. Are there any areas of your game you're really looking to grow in? Uh, lately, I, I've been just uh, doing some rehab with my shoulder. Uh, for for next season, though, you know, I'm definitely expanding the floor. Uh, jump shot's going to be there. Uh, you know, decision-making, you know, everything's just going to be top-tier next year. But most importantly, you know, we're just going to try to do a lot of uh, shooting for me next year just to expand the floor and make it tougher for other teams. Yeah, I remember watching your highlight tape at a, at a prep school, Ezra, and you, you had some outside shooting. You knocked down some three-pointers. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you shot the ball well. So I, I know that's something mm-hmm. you feel like you can do. Is it just a matter of yeah. kind of getting that those repetitions down? Uh, yeah, just a matter of reps, definitely. Uh, I just I went through the whole season. A lot of people didn't know, but I definitely went through the whole season from starting from uh, July of last year. Just played with a tore labrum in my shoulder, so that's what pretty much you know prevented the jump shot from happening. I uh, just fought all season through it, and that's that's the real deal of adversity. And just keep wanting to, you know, just keep going hard. Like I, I didn't let this injury stop me. I kept going. I did the best I can do with my shoulder popping out during the game. So you know, I was I was mentally strong to you know be in that position and, and fight through it. Yeah, that's pretty amazing, man. I honestly didn't know that. So. How did you how did you manage that pain throughout the year and I'm sure constant discomfort and like you said it's just something you had to fight through but uh, pretty impressive you were able to do that so what was that like just trying to manage that pain throughout the year? Um, to repeat the uh, just staying in in the rehab with Nate as doing as much as I can uh, not mentally breaking uh, for myself just knowing that you know there's there's players out there that wanted that wish they could be in my position and you know definitely I I want my goal is to make it, make it for myself, make it for my family, make it for my son. And so I'm just, you know, I'm just steadily hungry throughout the season. Uh, I didn't, I didn't think twice about my injury. I just tried to do as much rehab as I could and just stay in the gym. So did you have to have it operated on to repair or it kind of take us through that process? Uh, yeah, I did have surgery in March. Right now I'm in the recovery process. So I'm just doing tons, tons of rehab. And I'm just, I just can't wait to get back in the gym. That's awesome. And what's your schedule like coming up for this summer? I believe you you may be back home now or on your way back to, to Atlanta. So uh, what's your schedule like along with your rehab process? When will you be back to campus uh, to continue workouts with the Pirates? Uh, right now, I'm just being the best father as I could right now. And uh, multitasking with rehab, uh, I'll probably be back in campus in June where me and my whole team will just get back started with the summer. You know, the whole summer from June to July to first week of August, we'll just be grinding the whole time. He is Ezra Asar coming off a standout freshman season with the Pirates, averaging nearly 10 points a game, also more than five rebounds a game, a unanimous all-AAC freshman selection. Ezra, we appreciate the time uh, through Team Boneyard for joining the, the show today, and thanks so much for the interview. Looking forward to watching you during your sophomore year as a Pirate, man. It was a lot of fun this past year, and appreciate the time. Not a doubt. Appreciate you. That's Ezra Asar. That'll do it for this segment. And on the other side, we're going to talk to another Pirate, R.J. Felton, one of Ezra's good teammates, good friends, another key piece of this East Carolina basketball team. So we'll talk to R.J., who's entering his third year with the Pirates on the other side. You're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. 
Back to Hoist the Colors with Stephen Iko. The game. Alright, welcome back into the studio. Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. We just visited with Ezra Asar. We're now going to talk with R.J. Felton, entering his third year with the Pirates, coming off a tremendous sophomore campaign. R.J. is on the uh, the phone line. R.J., how's it going? Everything's going fine. Just chilling. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, R.J., it's been been fun to watch you the past couple years at East Carolina. I know we'll get into this this offseason, some of the additions, some of the uh, the guys who are joining your program. But let's first talk about your game and, and your sophomore game. Clearly, you played a big role as a freshman uh, under Joe Dooley in, in your freshman campaign, but that just seemed to kind of take another step this year. So what what clicked for you after the coaching change? What allowed you to really improve your game so much? Well, well um, learn from this year, like playing through this year, um, I got to um, display more of my offensive game more than anything. Um, Sooner around the rim, my jump shooting, and um, expanding my range from the three-point line. Uh, and plus, um, uh, I added more more moves to my game um, offensively. And, um, and also, um, um, as a, um, as leadership-wise, I had to take more of a bigger role of um, – of like um, demanding more out of others and out of myself. We're visiting with R.J. Felton, who joins us from Team Boneyard, uh, the NIL collective supporting ECU student-athletes. R.J., you averaged 13.8 points, also 4.5 rebounds per game this past season. As you mentioned, your, your offensive game went to another level. Let's let's go back to the, the coaching transition. Um, obviously, it's never easy. You know, you're recruited by Coach Dooley, but – that you know they chose to make a change. Coach Schwartz comes in. You could have maybe not embraced that, but instead you did embrace it and really seemed to buy into what Coach Schwartz was was talking uh, after taking the job. So what you know during that transition, what really allowed you to hone in on what Coach Schwartz was selling and to really become a key factor of this team? All the respect, uh, uh, uh and no side against Coach Dooley, but um. I really uh, it was more of um it was more I had to trust the process with with um with Coach Schwartz and anything and and um buy into what he's doing, um transition over um his mindset. It, it was a smooth transition between um between um between between both of those coaches but uh it's just more it's more of um learning and more um family oriented. You, and obviously a big part of Coach Schwartz's defense, uh, and that's something you seem to really be a strong factor in defense, energy, rebounding, all those things seem to fit your game. So how much did you quickly you know, fall in love with kind of that style of, of really just making defense first priority? It was kind of like a like a um, still win, like, like it was a perfect fit for me more than anything, like – like defense and uh, rebounding, those are my um, one of my um, key key elements of my game. And uh, you know, I'm always amazed at you, RJ, because even when you don't have your offensive game, you bring so much energy to the to the floor. Like, how do you how how do you never have a, an off day from an energy and, and focus perspective? Because you you always you know you're cramping, you're hurt, and you're still just you know giving 110. percent Like, where does that you know where does that come from? Well. That energy, I know that comes from my mom, but 
shout to my mom, but um, being consistent, being consistent as um, I gotta be consistent as a leader. Like you don't, you don't want to show any sign of like, oh, I'm, it's not my day. I'm not gonna, um, I'm not gonna show no energy. Uh, it just, I, I, you guys, I gotta stay positive throughout throughout any adversity. I know you had to, to play through some energy injuries last year. So, you know, do you feel like this off season has allowed you to get back closer to 100? percent Like I know you were wearing a, a knee brace at times or some sort of leg brace, and maybe even had some upper body stuff going on. So, do you feel like this off season has allowed you to kind of regroup a little bit? Yeah, this off season gave me a time to recover and also work on my game as well. More time of uh, treatment and stretching and all that. It is more time to um, give me 100. percent what are some of the big areas you're looking to improve on? Like we just sit down with Coach Schwartz. What are the big areas that he wants you to continue to get better at? Uh, the biggest areas I'm looking at for me during this offseason is more um, decision-making off of pick and roll, playing up, playing more pick and roll, uh, uh, develop, being more efficient from the three, working on working on um, all sorts of my games like, like reads, quicker reads, and um, – um, defend the pick and roll very well, like like most of that kind of stuff that um that translate over to the game. We had a we had a question submitted from a fan a fan uh, chess pirate on hoist the colors says could you ask the players what is unique about playing for Coach Schwartz? How is he different from other coaches that that you have played for? Uh, if you could answer that, RJ. Well, what's different about Coach Schwartz? He's way so energetic like as you see on the side of the game like when we on um, playing like he'll, he'll be in, in a defensive position like he playing defense out on the sideline so you know it's it's very unique and um it's very different for me like it's a it's exciting to see your coach on the side um in a defensive position um having the same energy as us even if he has more energy do y'all ever give him a hard time about that? Because he really is down there, man. He is like in his defensive stance and yelling. It. He seems like he loses his voice pretty easy. So do y'all ever give him a hard time? No, we don't really give him a hard time. It's just the fact that he's just very passionate about the game. That, that's what you always want for a coach. If, you, if the coach is passionate, that gives us um that gives us like a boost of us. Like, hey, we gotta be more passionate too. We gotta bring that same energy. We're visiting with R.J. Felton out of South Carolina, uh, Aiken High School. Take me back to your recruitment process, RJ. I know you had some other schools. I remember talking to you, you know, as part of 24-7 sports when you were getting recruited. But what led you to ECU? What led me to ECU was I had I had others I had other um I had fifteen other um offers from um low to mid major every at any other level. But um what brought me to ECU was um I was getting recruited heavily by um, George Easy and um coach um and coach Dooley. So the relationship I had built with them was like it was more of a a, a more family like more family oriented. Like yeah, like like they just had they just had a great bond from all all the other schools. So I was like, man, all ECU probably is a nice place for me to go. So I was like, okay. What's the closer what? to home? Yeah, what's the best part about being a ECU student athlete? Being a being a pirate is more than anything. Like it's the experience. Like uh, we have a great fan base. Shout out to all the pirates, as plus shout out to the Boneyard Collective. Um, it's it's the energy that the fans give us, 
like like with every home game like you have you have all like the um little um Minji Mania it's all, all on the side it just it's a great atmosphere to be in and um and all sports too like I, <laughs> it's a great atmosphere I saw your uh, your younger brother Ladante Felton just got his first offer from East Carolina recently so what uh what was that what was that moment like for him and your family it was a big moment for us. That was his first offer, and um, to be honest, I was very proud of him. Like throughout the season, like even on um, working on this game, I feel like it was well earned. To be honest with you, um, I feel like it's more for him to come, more for him to come, and um, uh, hopefully he'll hopefully he'll play with his brother on, and he, hopefully he'll play with play with me. Who knows? Yeah, give give us the Ladante Felton scouting report. Like, what does he do well? What does what does he need to improve upon? Well, with my little brother, he's a he's a very he's a six two shifty guard. He's um he's athletic. Um, he can shoot the ball and score in three levels. Uh, he's he's he he's more he's a combo guard more than anything. Um, uh, he's very um he's very um good. he's a great defender. Um, very good in a lateral movement. Uh, what he probably needs to work on is um more um, more quicker reads than anything, and um and then uh, perfecting his perfecting his jumper more than anything. We're visiting with R.J. Felton, who will be a big part of the returning nucleus for ECU basketball going forward. Several guys: Jaden Walker. We just talked to Ezra Sar. Uh, Quentin Dabuje, Brandon Johnson, all back next season, and then it's been a big off season for for Coach Schwartz in, in and as far as additions, uh, RJ with Bobby Pettiford, Cam Hayes being added through the transfer portal to Corey Vazon, Sierra Malanga, and Callum Richard being added via the prep ranks. What kind of what's been your take from? I'm sure you've been following this thing from afar, maybe talking to Coach Schwartz a little bit. But how excited are you to kind of in- integrate some of these new pieces along with several returners? Well, well, bring the new bring new pieces in. We just we just got bring them under. Um, Bring on under the brotherhood. Like I've been around, I've been around Bobby. I've been around Cam. I've been around um here, and then I bring about the um the kid from out of Gastonia, and um they're they're very good kids, and I feel like they they will adapt to the program, and um and hopefully we'll we'll um bring bring um ECL conference champion or or bring some more hard work. Yeah, two years in RJ, and y'all have made. You know, big strides not only individually for yourself but as a team. Like, do you can you kind of feel this this positive momentum as a guy who, who's kind of been a big part of this turnaround uh, going forward? Like, I've seen a big turnaround in the last couple of games of the season. Like during conference tournament time, I knew that I knew that we we turned around and um and we um um matured a lot over the season. Even though we was a young team, uh, I just feel like. I just feel like um, uh, with all with all of us being back together, I feel like we can make a big run and um, and probably um, and probably um, make to the tournament, get far in there. What is y'all's bond like off the court? I mean, we see it on the court, and you know, obviously, emotional game days. Y'all seem to be pretty tight, you know, even through some adversity. But like, how important is the time off the court to really grow those relationships? Off the court, we hang, we hang out with each other. We play the game a lot. I mean, we all, it's kind of like one big family. It's a whole brotherhood with all of us. Like, we, 
we all we all know each other and all that kind of stuff. Like we are we already know like on the court. We already know like hey, we don't we don't really we, we already know that um emotionally we can we can talk to each other and um, it's it's nowhere to draw the line at. He is RJ Felton, ECU guard. Hard to believe but already heading into year three at East Carolina. RJ, we appreciate the time this uh, this afternoon and, and looking forward to watching you continue to play basketball at East Carolina at a high level, man. It's been fun thus far through two years and uh, should be a lot of fun next season with what Coach Schwartz and you guys are building. Yes, that's, to the park. that's RJ Felton joining us via Team Boneyard. On the other side, we'll wrap up the show. Maybe look ahead to ECU series at Cincinnati. Also continue to talk some pirate basketball after our interviews with Ezra Asar and R.J. Felton. You're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94th Less. Everything you need to know in the world of ECU athletics. This is Hoist the Colors with Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. All right, welcome back into Hoist the Colors on this Friday. Graduation Friday over at ECU. So if you're driving around, experiencing some traffic, that's probably why. A lot, of, a lot going on. There'll be a lot more traffic throughout the weekend as well really enjoyed our time with Ezra Asar and RJ Felton the two ECU basketball standouts uh, they joined us via team Boneyard the NIL collective supporting ECU student athletes and back inside the studio with Philip Pilkington it you know back when I first started with hoist the colors Philip we did have I would say a lot more access to the student athletes as far as interviews that's that was kind of reduced the last three four years but with Team Boneyard and obviously the, the players being able to benefit from it, uh, we, we've kind of had more access recently, like with RJ and like with Ezra today. So I know that some people are maybe against the NIL stuff, but uh, to be able to help out Ezra, who has a kid now in Atlanta, obviously RJ as well, you know, with some of this stuff and, and getting us the chance to allow them to speak to the Pirate Nation, I think it's just a great opportunity for all involved. No, it definitely is because I mean, what do the fans want? They want to know the athletes. You know, they when you're a sports fan, you feel like you want to know them more than just who they are on the field. You want to connect with these guys, almost kind of feel like they're your friend in yeah. a way. At least that's how it was for me growing up as a sports fan. And I think this has really given us the opportunity to do so. Yeah, and and really, I mean, it's it's one of those things. Like even myself as a reporter. We get to talk to the, the athletes sometimes after games, but it's almost in like such a professional and, and I don't want to say strict setting, but they just don't seem comfortable. And maybe even in instances like this where they're joining us over the phone, like I, I thought RJ and Ezra both did a great job. They seem comfortable, relaxed. So it just allows us to do our job better. It allows the fans to connect with them better. Obviously, the fans are showing up to the game. They're spending money to watch these players. So I just think it's it's a good thing when it's when it's used like this in this instance for all involved. So again, shout out to Team Boneyard. Visit them, teamboneyard.org. Invest in the team, supporting ECU athletes. You can donate uh, to the calls today. And, and, you know, just covering recruiting, I see it every day. NIL has such an impact on – not only East Carolina recruiting, but college recruiting in general. You know, I hate that it got it's gotten to the point where guys are entering the portal just to see how much NIL money they can get. But, you know, in reality, ECU has to continue to invest. And I know that fans are always split on what are they what should they spend their money on. But NIL I don't think it's going anywhere in the in the short term. I think it's only going to get bigger. And so I can only urge people to if you have the the, the money and the resources to do it, definitely invest and 
you can do that through Team Boneyard. So uh, definitely check that out, teamboneyard.org. You can do monthly, one-time investment. You can choose where your money goes uh, to support the cause at East Carolina. All right, just a couple minutes left. Big series this weekend for the Pirates. Let's switch gears, talk baseball. They took care of business against Cincinnati the first time at home. Run rolled them twice, Philip. But I think this is going to be a little tougher series, don't you? I think it is. It's always tougher on the road. But since that run rolling them twice, Cincinnati is five and two, and they've they are five and one in their last six games, and they've handled conference opponents and even handled them on the road. So you know that confidence after that sweep last week of South Florida is going to transition back to uh, to at home for them, and I, now they know us a little better too. Yeah, East Carolina and Cincinnati, two teams heading in opposite directions. Never thought you'd say that in terms of ECU trending down. They've yeah, lost six sure. of eight. Cincinnati, what is it, five of six now winning? So yep. you have two teams who are at least trending in opposite directions. I put up the Cincinnati numbers earlier today, and uh, I sent it to, to some of our friends who I discussed baseball with quite a bit. They can hit the ball, but their pitching numbers, Phillip, uh, if I can try to find it real quick, I think they have a team ERA over six – it's they give up a ton of runs. They don't. They have one pitcher with an ERA under under five. They have zero pitchers with an ERA under four. So I'm not saying this is going to be an easy series for ECU because it's not. It's on the road, but I think we will see some runs scored. We definitely will. And it was it's six seven twos at ERA. <laughs> Another glaring good. number. Their fielding percentage is not very good. Nine sixty five. So if you can put the ball in play, you give yourself opportunities, especially with some of the speed on the base pass the Pirates have and Luke Nowak and Lane Hoover. It's weird because you look at the the Cincinnati numbers. Uh, you may have them pulled up, but I think they're eighty nine of one hundred ten in stolen base attempts. So they run a ton, they walk a ton. Their batting average is pretty low. 245 correct as a team and so it's almost where ecu why they shut them down the first time is they didn't walk cincinnati they're they're strikeout prone so if you pound the zone and you don't let them get on base and you control the running game which justin wilcoxon does at a pretty high level you can neutralize them to an extent offensively so i feel like ecu is a good matchup but at the same time on the road turf field you know, five and nine in true road games. This is a huge weekend for ECU to get right on the road. It is because I mean, you know, we kind of talked about it the other day with our projections. We're probably going to have to go on the road come regionals, or at least not. If we get lucky there, we're not going to be a national seed. So you're going to have to play a true road game to get to Omaha. This is the time to turn it around right now. Speaking of, well, the latest projections are out on D1 Baseball. These came out Wednesday. I don't think I think we talked about them briefly. We were going to discuss them, but uh, just looking at them, ECU right now. A projected three or two seed in the Conway Coastal Carolina Regional, North Carolina the three. So, Pirates looking at a two or three as of now. If they get a sweep this weekend, maybe they can find a way to, you know, not have to go on the road. But looking like the Pirates may be traveling somewhere. Yeah, and like I said, even if they're not, they're probably going to travel for that super regional because I don't think they'll be a top eight. But, you know, you mentioned the fact that they strike out a lot. We kind of mentioned it the other day. AK likes for the pitchers to attack hitters. We don't pitch around a lot of guys, so I do think that this is a very favorable matchup for the Pirates if they can take advantage of the Bearcats' weaknesses. ECU at Cincinnati this weekend. Coverage on 94.3 The Game. Check it out tonight, 5 o'clock. That'll do it for Hoist the Colors. Appreciate you guys tuning in all week long. You've been listening to HTC on 94.3 The Game. Your podcasts. We're back Monday with more of Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game.